0: For those of you that are on the podcast, if you 're listening, I got a bat and a ball in my hand, and uh, I just wanted to take a few swings here and see if anybody can catch it. No no, I'd just like to talk about some techniques of uh baseball batting my uh, When I was a young kid, my dad coached me as a little in little league, and I did the same thing for my boys when they were in little league, and I really liked the sport it's not um I'm not a real sports-minded person, but I do like baseball, and so uh, part of hitting the baseball, you got to have a good stance on your, uh, on your bat, and uh, you can hold it funny, and you're not going to hit the ball very well, and you need to have a good stance, you know, if you stand properly, and holding the bat properly, it's all important. Um, probably what's the, what's the main, probably the most important thing of hitting the ball, somebody want to? Keep your eye on the ball. We were always telling our boys, just keep your eye on the ball. It's not that hard. I kind of remember as a kid, you know, going to go, try to go for the fence. And I turned my head, totally missed it. But um, it's not really about baseball we're here for, though, is it? Um, it's just something to kind of maybe think about in our spiritual walk. We want to keep our eyes on Christ. Christ. And it's very important. It's so easy to turn your head and look somewhere else. And when we're walking through life, we get struggles or things that get in our way, and we look somewhere else, and we whew, totally miss our swing. And um, as Peter, you know, like Peter, uh, he was riding the boat, and uh, Christ came down, the winds and the waves are blowing, he asked, Jesus if he could walk on the water well sure come on out there so he started walking on the water and he started looking around seeing the waves you know they're blustery and the winds blowing he started sinking what did he do you know he took his eyes off of Christ he was looking at the turmoil or the tumultuous waves in the sea and he started sinking and I guess that's probably uh, my uh, whole desire is to just keep our eyes on Christ. There's a lot of distractions out there. Even in our uh, political world, um, things are really pulling for our attention. And so, um, I don't know, when you're up there to bat, you're going to take your swing, just remember, you've got to watch the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. It's right there. If you're blindfolded, you're not going to see it. We put it on Christ. We're going to be able to function and we're not going to be perfect. We're going to we're going to make mistakes, but it's uh, it's about allowing Christ to work work through us and in us. And um, one one of the verses um, was in um, Hebrews twelve two, Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith. I didn't uh, see. I think I do have it down here. looking unto Jesus the author and finish of our faith who for the joy was set before him endured the cross despising the shame another one I had picked out here in two Corinthians four eighteen it says while we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen so our spiritual life and I'm telling you to look with your eyes, but it's really not physical, it's spiritual. We're looking with our eyes spiritually. I would like to, uh, probably the thing that prompted me to this was uh, the Shemiah, you know, the Jewish prayer in Deuteronomy uh, 6. Darren, you want to pull that up on the overhead. I was thinking, why don't we all stand and we'll uh, read this verses together. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6 verses 4 through 9. And we'll read it together. And this is probably a way for us to help us keep Christ at our, in the front lines of our eyes, keep it first and foremost in what we do. I mean, for me, um, and they would read this prayer in the morning and at night. And so let's read it together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as fontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. There you have it. So let's remember to write them. I like to write a little three-by-five card. And uh, in my phone, I have a, I guess it's more technological now, a reminder of the verse of that day. So let's, let's keep Christ in the first and foremost Of our thoughts and our minds and our actions. I don't know if you ever um, are in the middle of a task and you're doing something and you just get steaming hot mad or something gets in your way. I mean, it's like, ugh. That's the time when you really need to think about, okay, Lord, how can I do this your way? And so, at least for me, that's kind of my uh, opening for this morning. And um, let's worship the Lord. Let's praise him. And if the worship team would come forward here, we'll um, have a word of prayer and then we'll sing and worship his name. Thank you, Heavenly Father, God, for, for this day and for your body that comes together and worship you and praise you. And Lord, help us to keep your word in our heart that we might not sin against you. Lord, help us to write it on our foreheads spiritually. Help us to remember. And keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: Okay, let's worship.
2: You yes. do Thank you so much that we could come here today and worship you.
1: I pray that you would have your hand over the rest of this service and all God's people said. I want to welcome you here this morning. If you're visiting, welcome. It's good to have you here. I don't know if any of you read the bulletin all the way through, but uh, I have to read it through. Robert reminds me every once in a while, hey, did you see what I put in the bulletin? Well, I do now, most of the time. And this is what happened this year, is the temperature dropped from 90 to 50 like it saw a state patrolman. (laughs) It's about what it did this year, it seems like. I am very grateful and thankful to be finished with harvest. I know there's a few others here that are very grateful for that. Uh, We did get finished this last week, and it's a very nice feeling to have that completed And behind us for the year, I just want to thank the Lord for lots of fruit and a good harvest. My Monday, Edwards, is a little different, and I was excited on Monday when I pulled out to the orchard, and there were 17 people there ready to pick apples, and that was a good day. We are going back to Genesis chapter 4, and uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've been in Genesis, so we're going to go back there this time And I know coming up in Genesis, the next chapter is a genealogy. And um, I think it was Macy asked me this morning, are you going to go through that one? And I said, well, we're going to do something with it. I don't know what yet. But God always has a purpose for what is in Scripture. So I know that everybody, including myself, is tired this morning. And that's okay. Because we can come here and we can rest in Christ. We can enjoy fellowship in a safe place and with family. So, But I'm gonna, I am going to have you stand <clears throat> while we read Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. Stand if you're able. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. It says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well... Sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me... Will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone find him should kill him. Father, thank you so much again for your word. I just pray that you would help us to hear out of this passage what you have for us, help us to be able to glean from it, to learn from it, and to apply it to our lives today. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So Adam and Eve have sinned, they've been kicked out of the Garden of Eden, like we heard at retreat, the joke that uh, Eve ate them out of house and home, and I thought that was pretty funny. But they're out of the garden. They've moved out. God has given them their punishment and, and what it's going to have to be and what they're going to have to do and the things they're, have, they're going to have to go through. And the one thing that he had, had told them previous is to be fruitful and multiply. So Adam and Eve are starting into what God has commanded them to do and what he has given them to do, and that is to be fruitful and multiply. And so they begin having children. And they have Cain first, and then soon after they have Abel. I don't know how much time was in between there. It doesn't really make that much difference, but they had two boys. And Cain, it says, was a tiller of the soil, which we would understand what that means. He probably farmed. That's what it sounds like to me. And then Abel, the younger brother, came, and he was a shepherd. He kept the sheep. He was in charge of the sheep. That's great. It works well. But then it came time for them to bring their offering to the Lord. And I've read this, I've heard this a lot of times, and I always could never figure out why why didn't God like Cain's offering? That's what he did. He was bringing, uh, if it was the first fruit, I don't know what it was of his, he was bringing it to the Lord the same way that Abel's bringing the first fruit of his. And this is what scripture talks about, is bringing our first fruit to him, whether it's Monetarily, whether it's time, whether it's anything that we might have, we bring the first fruits to God. And this is what Cain and Abel were doing. They both gave of their respective careers. Both were right to bring their offerings. This is what they were asked to do. This is what they were supposed to be doing. I don't know that it's any different today. We maybe do it in different ways, but we practice the same thing today. We bring the first fruits. We bring offerings to the Lord. We don't preach on tithing here, and I don't intend to start doing that. But this is kind of what is being set up here. This is what we do. Cain farms all year, and then he brings some of his some offering of what he has for the year to present to the Lord. That was right. That's what he should have done. Abel takes care of his sheep, and he brings from his flock the first fruit, and it adds in that one um, and of their fat the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And he brings it and offers it to the Lord. And this was the right thing to do. This was what they were supposed to do. But why did God accept Abel's and he rejected Cain's? Why was that? Cain wasn't a shepherd. And so to bring his first fruit wouldn't have been an animal. It would have been the first fruit of what he was doing. And so why is this this way? I want to read Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. We are to honor the Lord with our possessions. We have to recognize, sometimes I think it helps if we recognize that the possessions that we've been given came from the Lord to begin with. So essentially all we're doing is giving back of the first fruits of what he has already blessed us with. And I don't want to get confused on what we're trying to do, but I'm focusing this morning on what, on Cain and Abel. Honor the Lord with your possessions. There was nothing wrong with Cain's offering. Where the problem was was his heart. And as we continue reading on, it says, um, "But he did, uh, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell." which reading through this and, and looking at it a little bit would indicate to him that there was a heart issue there. Now, I don't know about you, but we have things that we give. I, one thing that I enjoy about growing apples is that we, you start in the spring, they bloom, it's beautiful, they put on little pieces of fruit, and you grow them all year, and then finally you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and finally you can find one that tastes good. And it's just, there's something about growing something all year and going out there and pulling one off the tree and eating it. It's just, there's some satisfaction you get there, which I think it should be. And so, why was God not, it wasn't that God wasn't happy with Cain's offering. He wasn't happy with the heart behind it. So how many times do we have these things that we, that we grow or that we give or we give of our time or whatever it is, do we give willingly? Or are we kind of begrudgingly doing it because this is what we should be doing? I don't really feel like I have the means to be able to do it and I'm going to do it because it's what we're supposed to do, but not because I really want to. And I think maybe this is where Cain was at. He was doing it, I think, maybe because it was the right thing to do and he knew it was the right thing to do, but in his heart, he really wasn't, his heart wasn't in it. I'll take it because I have to, but that's it. His countenance fell. He became angry when God says he didn't accept Cain's offering. His countenance fell. I want to go to 1 John chapter 3 verses 10 through 15. It said, In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Why does this surprise us? The Bible is talking about loving one another and you go back to Cain and Abel and his heart was wrong and so not only did God reject his offering because of his heart because he maybe wasn't giving it willingly it made Cain angry immediately and his countenance fell and and I if we if we find ourselves in, in something that we've worked hard for and then maybe nobody appreciates what we did it can make us angry It really can. Of course, we're not supposed to be looking for man's approval. We're looking for God's approval. But here, Cain didn't even get God's approval. And it doesn't really say very much about what was going on with Cain at that time. But obviously, his heart was not in the right place. His attitude was not in the right place. And I was reminded, how often do we check our heart or our attitude in the things that we do? in the things that we give, in the time that we give, in the the possessions that we might share. Is our heart right? Is our attitude right? Because this made Cain angry. And I can't say that I would not totally understand where he was coming from, because if it's rejected, that probably would have made me a little bit upset too. But it doesn't really say all of what was going on here, except if you look in 1 John, and it says um, Cain who was of the wicked, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. And this is what we deal with all the time. This is no different. Cain was not living according to what Scripture led or taught and Abel supposedly was. And it's the same thing we fight against today. There's things that irritate us. Why do they irritate us? Why do we find ourselves with our heart not in the right spot or with a wrong attitude. And so what happens here? <clears throat> when we give offerings whether financially, time or talents, do we do we give them willingly or do we give them begrudgingly? What's the heart? What is the heart behind it? Do we give a portion of the first fruits or do we just give what's left? Because a lot of times it's easy to, in our time, give our time to what we have to do and the things that we have to accomplish, and then if I get all of that done, and I get finished with that then, I'm gonna give what I have left to God. And I will just tell you right now from experience, that will never work very well for you. Now, I'm not saying you gotta get up first thing in the morning. This is what I enjoy doing, but you don't have to get up first thing in the morning and give the first time of your day, but it's very important that we do set apart some part of our day to give to God. It's just important to do that. What are we giving? Are we giving willingly or are we giving begrudgingly? Check your heart. Check your heart. This didn't go well For Cain, his response was angry. And then it goes on to say, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And it's desire, sin's desire is for you but you should rule over it. What in our lives might be giving a foothold to the enemy? What in our lives might be allowing sin to be laying at your door, waiting for an opportunity to pounce, to to, to provide a temptation that you don't know what to do with? What is it in your life? For Cain, this is what it was. God rejected his offering Because Cain's heart was wrong. And then God says, sin lies at the door. If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. If you give it with the right heart, will it not be accepted? Yes, I think it will be accepted. But if you do it with the wrong heart, sin is lying at the door, ready to take over, ready to step in. Cain's response was anger, and this provided a foothold for sin to take over. There's areas in our lives at different times in our lives that may provide an opening for sin to get a foothold in our lives. And my prayer is, is as we come here every Sunday because I keep thinking we come here every Sunday and we do the same thing and we hear from the word and we sing and we share and it's really good and it's encouraging. But are we watching? Are we aware? Are we allowing people to speak into our lives? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives to make us aware of these footholds that can get, find their ways into our life to provide a foothold for sin? Are we aware of it? Do we realize that God might use other people to make us aware of that, which can make us angry sometimes? Because I don't want to hear it from somebody else. Ken, what you were sharing about who prayed, why? But things like that can make us angry. And is this where Cain was? It made him mad. He didn't accept it, and he didn't know what to do with that feeling. And so, what did he do? He took it out on his brother. We will never, we can never master sin in our own strength. And I wonder if this is what Cain was trying to do. I'll just take care of it myself. We will never master sin in our own strength. It's only because of Jesus that we can ever master anything that we try to master. And the problem is, this is going to be a lifelong battle that's not going to end until we meet our Savior face-to-face. It's not gonna be over. If you think you've mastered it one time and you've avoided that foothold and whew, we got rid of that and that's not gonna be a problem and before you know it, there's another one facing you and this is going to be something that we're going to work on, we're going to battle, it's going to follow us our whole life until we stand face-to-face with our Savior. And what an exciting day that will be because not only are we going to be with him and there's not going to be any more pain and there's not going to be any more sorrow, but we're also not going to be tempted anymore by sin because sin has been defeated. And sometimes I don't think we realize and recognize all that that entails because I don't think our minds can understand all of that. But that's what it's going to be and it's going to be exciting but it's a lifelong battle while we're living here. Cain was angry, he was jealous, he was upset, but he took it out on his brother. And he says in in, in verse eight, now Cain talked with with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Now, I, I wanna point out the importance of dealing with sin. Because just in the previous chapter we are reading about Adam and Eve. In the garden that God created that was perfect, it had everything that was needed there and they're not supposed to eat from one tree. And so what they did, the choice that they made to eat of that tree was a simple, say simple but it affected everybody, a simple choice of disobedience. God told them not to, and they thought, "We know better. We're going to go ahead and eat of it. Disobedience. That's all it, we can say. That's all it was. It was still a big deal. One generation, one generation, and that sin has escalated to murder in one generation. And what are we going to do? to stop that escalation. What are we going to do? How? Well, I appreciate, Brian, what you read this morning and what we all read together. Talk about it all the time. Talk about scripture all the time. Read it when you get up. Read it when you lay down. Read it when you eat. All the time, because in one generation, with Adam and Eve, they disobeyed. They chose incorrectly, and it was a disobedience to what God had told them. Their son It went to murder in one generation. And that's how fast things can deteriorate. If we're not proactive, if we're not willing to put the time in to teaching the next generation what's right and what's wrong. It can happen that fast. And I just, you you get a, a burden for a generation that isn't being taught. What can we do? How can we, like we heard last weekend, how can we stand in the gap for that generation that maybe don't have parents at home or maybe they don't have both parents? I don't know what the situation might be, but how can we stand in that gap so that generation can still hear what the truth is and they can still hear what's right and what's wrong and they can still know who God is and who Jesus is and what he's done for them? How can we stand in that gap? Because in one generation, it went from disobedience to murder, Proverbs chapter four, verses 20 through 27. says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. This is the words of God. Keep your hearts with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. The verse that I like in this one, it says, keep your heart. In a different translation, it says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it springs the issues of life guard your heart but not only yours can we stand in the gap for guarding other people's hearts as well everybody has their own choices to make everybody it's important that everyone individually have a relationship with Jesus Christ it can't i can't have it for you you can't have it for me everybody individually has to have that relationship but it doesn't mean that we can't stand in the gap for other people how do we do that And I think a lot of that is done in prayer. We spend time on our knees, we spend time praying for each other, and sometimes we think, well, it's not really making any difference, but let me tell you, it is making a difference, a lot bigger difference than what you might ever think it is making. Don't quit. Spend the time in prayer. Cain takes Abel into the field. This is premeditated, this isn't just on a whim. This was planned. He was intending to do this. He was angry with God, but he took it out on his brother and he killed him out in the field. And God comes almost similar to how he came to Adam and Eve. Where are you, Adam? What's going on? He came to Cain and he said, Where's your brother? I don't know. Well, that was a lie. And everybody knew it. Am I my brother's keeper? Why in charge of my brother? We become very good at blaming other people for everything. Started right off with Adam and Eve. He blamed her. She blamed him, the snake. It started, we're good at it. Cain, where's your brother? I don't know. Am I supposed to keep, keep track of him all the time? He knew exactly where he was. He knew what happened. He knew what he'd done. And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. We can't just, we can't just uh, cover this up and let it go. We can't just pretend like it didn't happen. We can't do that. It doesn't work that way. We have to deal with it. Again, do we realize the importance of dealing with sin? Because sin gets a foothold. Cain got angry with God, and he came to his brother, and he killed his brother. And when God came and asked him, where is your brother? He starts lying immediately. I don't know where he is. You know good and well where he is. But we panic. We panic. We're afraid that we're gonna be found out for some sin that we have done. We panic, and we start... Sinning more to try to cover up, and it never works well and never ends well. Because that's a process and a cycle that just continue on and on and on and on. So God proceeds to give Cain a punishment for what has happened because sin can't be ignored. You can't just sweep it under the rug and pretend like it didn't happen. And here's what God says. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. So basically, God is taking away his livelihood. He's taking away his career. If he was a farmer, God says, whatever you do with the ground, it's not gonna produce anything for you. You can work as hard as you want, it's not gonna do anything for you. That's the consequence of what you did. Cain was given punishment for his actions. They were severe. The ground would no longer produce for him and he would be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. So maybe he would never have a a true home. Maybe he would be moving constantly. But it's really interesting and I am amazed every time that how God brings things back around, how we come back to who God truly really is. Because Cain... Of course, starts complaining that this punishment is too great. I can't. I can't handle this. Well, how many of us? How many of us enjoy seeing justice given? And don't raise your hand, please, because we all do. You're going down the road. You're driving down the freeway, and somebody goes blazing by you 20 mile an hour faster and it's like, I'm already going over and they're going that much faster and you go up the road about five miles and he's pulled over by a police. Ooh, that's satisfying, isn't it? Why? Why is that satisfying? Because justice prevailed. But you know what? That's not our job to make sure that justice prevails. That's God's. and He will take care of it. It don't seem like it right now. It seemed like things are not going well, but what are we doing to stand in the gap for different people? What are we doing to make a difference? Because we can complain, I I can't do this. This is too hard. Here's Cain. He just killed his brother. God gives him a punishment, and now Cain has the nerve to say, this is too hard. I can't do this. Well, in my mind, I'm thinking, you probably should have thought about that before you killed your brother. His punishment was too great. And anybody that saw him, he was afraid his family maybe were going to come after him because he realized that if he was capable of killing somebody, they were capable of it as well. Maybe he's scared of them. I don't know what all it is. But there's going to be a punishment, there's going to be a consequence for the sin because it has to be dealt with. But our God, amazingly enough, we know this, we say this, we share this, we believe this, but living it is different. Our God is still a God of grace and a God of mercy. Because Cain complains, this is too hard, I can't handle it. People are going to be looking out for me. They're going to be trying to kill me. And what am I supposed to do now? uh, I, I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And he's complaining and complaining, and it's too hard. But just because you complain, and just because we think it's too hard, it doesn't mean, number one, that our consequences are going to go away. They're still gonna be there. He still wasn't gonna be able to grow anything. He still was gonna be a a fugitive and a vagabond. That wasn't going to go away, but here comes God. And I love what this says. It says, and the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. So God gives out the consequence or the punishment, but then he turns around and he has Mercy on Cain. Cain should have died for what he did. That was the consequence of sin. That's the consequence of sin for all of us. But God still came back and he said, okay, I'm going to put a mark on you. And I'm not even going to go into what that could have been. (laughs) There's all kinds of speculation on what that might have been. But the, the, the thing was, he made it so that everybody knew who he was. And if anybody was going to try to kill him, that was going to return on them sevenfold. But God in his mercy still was protecting Cain. And he still does the same thing for us today. We can have sin that gets a foothold in our life and things don't feel like they're going well, and we're having to cover up one sin with another sin and how you know how all that goes. It can be messy and dangerous and uncomfortable and we don't like it. But God, in his mercy, is a God is in the business of restoration. And that's what he does for each one of us. Today, he still does that today. It started right there in the Garden of Eden. We saw that when Adam and Eve were kicked out, he still gave them away. When Cain murdered his brother, he still took care of him. Yes, there are consequences. Yes, there's things we have to face. We have to answer for the choices that we make. But God still loves you and he still cares about you. It doesn't mean the consequences are going away, but it does mean he still cares about you. Uh, One more verse that I'd like to read is in Psalms. Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12. Very familiar. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And that's what our God is in the business of doing, is restoring to me the joy of my salvation. Cast me not away from your presence. And God will not cast us away from his presence. He will deal with sin. He will take care of sin. He will hand out punishment or consequence for sin. But then he will turn around and restore us right back to himself. And he'll do that for you today. He did that for Adam and Eve. He did that for Cain. And he will do that for you today. Your life might look different. It might seem different. It might be harder. But God will still restore you himself. I'm going to have a song played. I don't know where you guys are at. What is it? Is there anything that might have a foothold in your life? Is there anything that you need to need prayer to restore you back to him? Because God is in the business of restoration. That's what he wants to do. That's why his son came. That's why he's here. That's what he has done for us. And he still does that today. And he's willing to do it again and again and again. And he wants to restore you to himself. Father, we thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, for your grace. Lord, if you can provide grace and mercy for Cain, I know you can do it for us. And you do. And you have shown that over and over. And I pray that you would make us aware. Remind us of that continually. Help us to acknowledge what you have done and what you continue to do. Thank you, Father, again for your love. In your name we pray, amen. If you need any prayer, or if you want to come up here while this song's playing and ask the Lord to restore you, if you need restoration, it's here for you. It isn't anything that I do. It's between you and God. Restoration, go ahead. Lord, bless you guys this week. I pray that you have a good one. Keep your eyes on him. You are dismissed.